Hi, this is Olivia Berkman. In this episode of Power Skills, we're revisiting a session from our recent virtual career workshop about career mapping. FEI's head of content, Chris Westfall, spoke with three accounting and finance professionals at different stages of their professional journeys. I hope you enjoy the conversation. This session um, is really a distillation of what uh, Financial Executives International is doing with its new FEI Engage program. You know, connecting the experience of our members and senior leaders with the next generation of financial professionals, uh, and through a, through a discussion and exchange of ideas and knowledge, uh, so everybody comes out smarter. Um, to achieve that goal today, we have uh, guests from all stages of their uh, finance and accounting career. Uh, currently, uh, all our guests are working with Minneapolis-based Salo, uh, which provides accounting finance and HR services throughout the country. Um, uh, joining us today is Lauren Greer. Uh, she is in finance accounting consultant at Salo. Uh, She's representing sort of the early phases of the career path. Uh, Lauren was, if I understand, Lauren, you previously with uh, an insurance manager at ENY. Uh, Matt Barra is sales director uh, for Chicago Finance at Salo. Uh, interesting uh, note about Matt is that he was once a crew chief on a F-15, uh, crew chief for F-15s at the on the U.S. Air Force. And then finally, uh, representing, you know, sort of uh, our senior leadership uh, is Richard Steele. He's a consultant at Salo. He has decades of experience in finance, including uh, was the uh, president of the FBI Chicago chapter. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. I hope for a, a pretty vibrant discussion about the career path in finance and accounting. But with any of these, I, I always try to level set. Uh, these conversations with what we're talking about. And so that's the concept of a career path. Um, and I, I looked it up a little bit and it's, and Gartner had a, a definition says the career pathing is the process of aligning opportunities for uh, employees, career growth within and outside an organization. Um, so it's about mapping your way through uh what you think about a career, what your goals are. And so I want to begin the conversation. Um, you know, maybe we'll start with Lauren, you know, from your perspective, given you're, you're sort of at the beginning of your career, you know, your career journey, what sort of direction or tools were you given, whether they were in school or elsewhere uh, about building your career path? Yeah. Thanks, Chris. So I am early on in my career. I've been a professional for about nine years now. And even though that's early on in my career, that is still longer than I was in college or in high school. So it feels like a very long time to me. Um, but as far as thinking about my career path, you know, that started in college personally, and it took some I would say the big, the biggest thing for a younger professional and somebody in college is learning yourself and understanding who you are, the kinds of things you like, the kinds of things you're good at, and maybe also what you could improve on. 
for me, learning about myself and learning things like I really enjoy kind of project based work. I enjoy um, learning new things that all the time. I, I'm not someone who really wants to sit around and and post journal entries every day, even though that's an extremely important job. And some people really do enjoy that. Um learning different things about myself like that have has really been helpful in kind of pushing my career path forward and making decisions along the way about what different types of things I'm interested in, what sort of things I want to do. So Lauren, just to follow up to that, when you were in, were you an accounting major in college? Is that the, the path you took? So I was an accounting major in college, actually only um, as a junior did I choose that. I went into college not knowing what I wanted to do. Um, Started out doing an international affairs major with a Spanish minor and I had to take a business class. I don't know why they required me to take a business class, but I took an accounting class and I was in the accounting class and I remember thinking, I this makes so much more sense than Spanish does to me. So why don't we just add accounting on? So I added on accounting and then kind of as I started going through the accounting classes, kind of brought that up as a major. So I did actually double major in international affairs and accounting. Um, I started learning about, I, I started learning more about what my career could look like in the accounting and finance space. And for me, it felt like a really good way to learn business and to be able to understand businesses. And I decided that was the the path I wanted to go um, with my degree. And uh, just a reminder for everyone, if you have questions, you know, feel free to uh, put them in the question box and we'll, we'll ask the uh, participants as we move forward. Well, and I wanted to follow up with one question on that. Um, when you were, um, you know, leaving college and, and you had, you know, gone in the direction of an accounting major, what were some of the discussions you had with people at the college about, like, what direction your career could take, what paths you could take, um, and, and how did that inform your next step? Yeah. So personally, I felt like a lot of professors, um, people in my life, kind of mentors, that kind of thing, really heavily pushed me towards going into um, a big four public firm uh, because that's where everybody said the experience was. Now, I don't regret a moment of my time at EY for a minute. It really did teach me a lot and I wouldn't be where I am today without it. Um, But I do look back at that and think that I should have done maybe some of my own research and looked around a little bit more because if I've learned anything in nine years, it's that you can do so much in the world of accounting and finance. There are so many, many different things you can do. And I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of what that is now. Interesting. I wanted to um, ask Richard, um, you know, you obviously have a long career in finance accounting. Tell us a little bit about, was this all part of the plan? I mean, did you have a plan to be in this role and and, um, what, in your experience, what, how did that plan to come together, if at all? Well, the, uh, the, the questions that you provided when they were written down said, what role did career pathing take part in your journey? And I would say none whatsoever. <laughs> has it been what you expected? And I would say not at all. Um, so <laughs> starting off with that, um, 
I, um, I was a preacher's kid. So my dad asked me if I was being a minister when I grew up, and I said, absolutely not. So I went to a liberal arts college and uh, got a degree in humanities. I kind of resonated what I was hearing from Lauren. Uh, this, this college made a point of saying that they teach you how to think critically. And that, that was good. That, that's what I needed. I needed to know there was something, another way of viewing the world other than as a Hoosier Methodist. Um, so I got my degree in philosophy, of all things. Uh, went to grad school, got a master's in information science, uh, worked in that field for five or six years, um, moved to Chicago, got married. Uh, my wife and I were working for the same company. It's like, well, that's not going to work. So I needed to find another career. So I'm looking in the Sunday Tribune. I see ads for accountants. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I was good at math. Uh, I actually started out as a math major and then switched to philosophy. So I went to night school at Loyola, took enough uh, accounting classes to uh, get hired by Deloitte Haskins themselves. Started out there, and then uh, within a year, I had a client that was looking for a controller. And I, I jumped at that opportunity, got a 50% bump. <laughs> my income moving from Deloitte to, to this company and then that was yeah that was 40 years ago so for the last 40 years I've been working basically middle market industrial you know, companies as you know various roles and everything from controller up to you know CFO and everything in between and uh, where would you say now I mean uh, obviously you're not are, are you full how would you describe your current position as full-time part-time is it cons it's consulting on a day-to-day -day basis how would how would you describe that i'd say i'm full-time i'm sure I'm yeah. when i say that uh i had my last uh, w2 role uh working for a company uh in 2009 so for the last 14 years i've been working in contract roles uh interim Roles as you know anything from interim CFO to controller or finance director or VP finance whatever, or as a senior project consultant of some sort. But I've got to tell you, in those that time period, I haven't spent very much time on the bench at all. So it's very much full time. And did you um, was that your? I guess how to put this. Did you have a plan to do that after your last full-time role? Uh, I mean, I don't know if you define it as a retirement, but I know uh, talking to a lot of members who are nearing the end of, of their full-time career, they're considering, well, what's the next thing? Was that always your plan to do something along these lines? Not at all. Uh, the position I had, um, I like basically described it as you know, kind of the penthouse. I went from the penthouse to the outhouse because I didn't. I had some issues with the uh, with the owner in terms of relationships with our bank and liquidity and that. So I was showing the door. So it's during the uh, recession. So there I am. You know, fifty-something white male finance guy looking for a job, just like a hundred thousand others. Um, so the choice 
within a few months, I realized that I could sit on the sidelines, kind of watching the world go by, you know, still looking for another full-time job, or I could start trying to pick up some kind of gigs or other. So I did that for a year or two, and it was pretty pretty rough going. And then um, learned about Salo. Uh, they had a need. Um, I filled it, and then that's pretty much what I've been doing ever since. Interesting. Uh, Matt, I want to ask you, get you in here. And you know, so Lauren's at the beginning of career. Richard is is uh, filling out the rest of his career. Um, you're sort of at the midpoint in finance accounting, uh, or you deal with a lot of people who are in the midpoint of finance accounting. Um, and obviously, there's a lot going on in the industry in terms of changes and technology and skills. Um, how do you manage that? How do you adapt to that with all these changes going on? Yeah, thank you, and uh, great, great to great to be here. Um, you know, I, I think there's a few sort of key elements uh, that, that come to mind when I when I think about um, adapting to change and, and how to uh, embrace and, and continue to grow and evolve with that. Um, one, I think, you know, the, the, the most obvious and kind of starting point is this mindset going into it. You know, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of different uh, strategies and discussions out right now about, you know, growth mindset and, and different things of, of that nature that uh, make us all more amenable and open to change. And, and you know, so I think uh, simply uh, starting at, at that point is, is really critical. And, you know, human nature is change is always scary, right? And I've, I've made a couple career changes. I've, you know, seen, seen certainly some, some technological uh, change and evolution over the course of my career. Uh, so I think even beginning at a point where you embrace uh, and, and uh, lean into that uh, is, is a great starting point. Um, second thing I'd probably mention is uh, leaning on your mentors and, and you know, knowing who your advocates are and, and uh, looking to them to help foster and grow your own career is always a, a great path. You know, so if you're if you're the one that's raising your hand to say, hey, I heard about this new system, we might be uh, you know, doing something differently. We might have different processes and being an advocate for and embracing that um, and, and, and doing so vocally uh, in, in the right and tactful way, obviously, but working through those that um, are going to help guide and foster your career is, is critical. And then, you know, sort of layered within that, the last thing I'd note is, is really that self-advocacy piece of it. And so in, in thinking about what you hope your long-term destination to be, um, you know, what, what role does technology and other change play in that? And, and having an awareness to say, um, if you want to be part of that, if, if changes in systems and technology, and if, you know, chat GTP is super interesting to you and you want to dive into AI, uh, you know, it's, it, there, there's no, there's no right or wrong answers to it. It's, it's what, uh, what appeals to you and, and where can you learn and, and grow in the right way. Um, and so, you know, being curious, asking a lot of questions and being willing to uh, raise your hand and, and dive into the unknown will we'll go a long way with that, I think. And Matt, from your perspective, is, you know, what do you think are the biggest technology disruptors going on in the accounting and finance career right now? Is it chat GBT? Because I know there's a lot of discussion about that. Um, you know, so what are your thoughts about that? 
Yeah, there's, um, it, it's kind of interesting uh, seeing the ends of the spectrum. So, you know, to, to give everybody a little purview, Salo uh, and, and, you know, the people I work with, work with very large, sophisticated Fortune 500 companies. Um, and we work with, you know, some relatively small, you know, one, $200 million in revenue uh, companies as well. And so the ends of the spectrum are very far apart. So there are some organizations that are really uh, advanced technologically that have really robust financial systems uh, and chat GTP and, you know, the AI uh, thing right now is, is it's more of an unknown quantity, I think, than a known, you know, we're, we're collectively very much scratching the surface and, um, you know, are also aware of some of the, the biases and, and, and shortcomings of that as well. So, you know, the, the, the information that it pulls from, um, for, for better or worse, will will you know it'll it'll aggregate that and, and give you output right. So uh, even acknowledging um, some of those challenges and and uh, limitations of of, uh, of technology are critical. Um, but the the other interesting thing is while um, at a, uh, at a at a micro level, so for individual users, technology changes very quickly. Uh, for organizations, it's relatively slow, and you know systems implementations and upgrades can take months and years and and so um, it's not necessarily an overnight thing and you know one of the things we joke about sometimes is some of the largest companies in the world are still ran on Excel and so it's as, as much as we don't um, you know necessarily advocate for that we, we have to acknowledge the reality of um, sometimes you know technology uh, at, at, in at a scale of thousands and thousands of people takes takes quite a bit of time. Um, and so, you know, the, there are certainly significant advances happening in some of the uh, systems and capabilities, um, but it's, it's, it's not as though AI is gonna, gonna take everyone's job in, uh, in a month or two. Great. And I want to sort of follow up with that, the same question or a similar question of Lauren. Lauren, um, you know, from your perspective, you know, as somebody who's, you know, somewhat, out of college, you know, you would think the technology comes up easier for you. Do you, do you, what do you see the role of technology playing in your determination of, of your career path? How does it make you think about that? And, and how do you keep up with it on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So, I mean, technology is just integrated into my life. And as a younger professional, I think that often comes easier to kind of our group than maybe some of the people um, higher up in their career because that's how we grew up, right? I grew up in an age of no cell phones and now I have everything I could possibly need on my cell phone. So it's very integral. Technology is consistently changing. And I, I mean, I like what Matt said, you just have to adapt to it and you have to know that this is coming these system implementations i've been through multiple of them already in my career and i just think that's going to continue to happen but i'd also say to the younger professionals specifically speak up and know your worth when it comes to technology you know a lot more than you think you do and if you are interested in something like matt said speak up and get into it. It's all you, you own your career in that way. And if you're super interested in something, you go for it. Do you, do you take time out to, um, you know, have you ever considered, um, 
taking uh, in other classes or taking um, certifications in, in certain technologies just to keep up with it? Or is that something that is not on your plate right now? Personally, it's not on my plate, but I do know people who do that. I have many colleagues and my husband is also a CPA and he recently got a cybersecurity certification because he's highly interested in that and it's very pertinent to the career path that he's taken. Um, there are things out there like that. I, I typically, with where I'm at, I typically look at what my company is doing that I'm at right now, what potentially could be better, and then pay attention to technologies in that from that perspective. Um, but it's a really good point, Chris, that you, there's, there's, I mean, there's continuing education courses out there that you can take regarding almost any of these new technologies. I want to uh, shift a little bit and just stay with you, Lauren, for a second about the role, um, you know, uh, what what role and the experiences you've heard and what that that places in your career path, uh, especially around mentorship, you know, dealing with mentors and um, the lessons that they have in finance and accounting. And what do, do they what role does that play in your career path um, in the role of mentorship? Yeah. So I personally, I find Often when we talk about mentors, I find the topic to be a little bit stressful because I start to think, oh, no, who are my mentors? Let me make sure I'm on their calendar once a month and we're meeting and doing that kind of thing. And as I've kind of progressed throughout this, I realized that mentors are many, many different people in your life. And it doesn't have to be this kind of like set rigid schedule. Um so that being said, mentors have played a huge role in my career journey. And as I continue to think about my career journey, I would consider um, some of my pre previous colleagues at EY to still be my mentors. Um, the current uh, CFO I'm working for is definitely mentoring me and teaching me a lot. I think it's more about paying attention to the people in your life that you are learning from because you're learning so much consistently. and asking the question, I would say that almost every person that you encounter would love to mentor you in some way. And if you just ask to grab a cup of coffee, or if you ask a very specific question that you're just trying to work through in your own career, people are very, very willing to give you advice. And I've always found it helpful to kind of hear different people's perspectives when it comes to my yeah. career. Yeah, those, those are, we're hearing a lot of that. Richard, what, uh, from your perspective, um, you know, over your long career, what role did mentorship play in that? Did you have, you know, particular mentors you, you, you relied on? And, and how do you sort of, or do you pay that forward in mentoring other people? And, and what role does that, that play? I was I was thinking about that as I listened to, um, to Lauren. Um, my, my initial thought is that I don't really recall having any mentors in my program. I've been thrown into so many different environments and industries. Um, the uh, at least in the finance field, there the CEOs, the presidents, the general managers, the managing directors. Those are the people I've been watching very closely and I, I've learned from 
some of them. That's you know, the leadership style. You know what what works, what what doesn't. And I've certainly adopted some of those things that I see that that, that work. You know, there's just a whole host of stories, as you can imagine, that goes with the good mm-hmm. and the ugly there. Uh, but and then I've taken that, and in my role is just as a controller, we got a lot of direct reports. Uh, I'm, I'm very much about building the, the team and, and developing people. Um, I, I like to treat everybody as an adult, you know, get a chance, and then if it doesn't work out, then you got to intervene a little more and support closer supervision and this and that, and then uh, work through that. Um, but it's, yeah, like a, a, I don't even think the word mentor was out there when I was starting so much. It wasn't part of the vocabulary. But uh, again, nobody in the accounting and finance per se comes to mind. Uh, it, was, it was more the you know the leader of the organization. You're in the shadows, you know, kind of the second or third there in the organization is the, the chief finance person. So you get a, you have a wonderful opportunity to see you know what how key decisions are being made and whether they're they're smart or maybe are not so smart and then what kind of style how they handle you know situations how they handle stress how they handle you know challenges uh are they good at building a team or not um you know dealing with the board of directors you know things of that sort so that that's i think where i've learned the most apart from you know other colleagues and functional air departments as well too Great. And Matt, what, what about you? Um, I mean, what role has mentorship played in your, you know, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the, you know, on the business side, I know your time in the Air Force or what, what has really shaped you in your mentorship journey? Yeah, I, I would say probably uh, maybe been a little more fortunate uh, to, to have uh, some folks I would definitely consider strong career mentors when I, um, you know, began my career, my, my, finance career, I should say, uh, at Navistar, uh, was fortunate to work with a couple of great leaders that, you know, that probably pushed and and helped me um, think about things a little bit differently and and made a very concerted effort to, um, you know, to, to help me grow and, and progress at a, you know, a, a pretty junior level and, and, and early age. And, and those are folks that I've continued to maintain relationships with. Uh, both when I was doing functional finance work and now doing what I do now. And, and they were people that I even <clears throat> leveraged and reached out to when I was thinking about career changes and, and pivots. So, you know, doing, you know, t- 10, 11 years ago when I pivoted into to what I do now, uh, th- those were folks that I, I wanted to ask them. I wanted to get their opinions like, hey, am I, am I crazy for thinking about this? I'm going to do something really different than what I was trained for, you know, than what my, uh, you know, sort of functional background is in. Um, you know, so those are people that, uh, you know, I think when you, when the starting point is they care about you as a person and a professional and they have your best interest at heart, um, that you can really uh, have, have a really meaningful discussion with them. And, and, you know, there are people that were much more experienced than me that had really unique and great perspectives on how to think about things. You know, I, I was, you know, uh, in, in my early thirties when I sort of pivoted careers. And so I had some experience, but not a ton. And so for me, it was really great to, to be able to lean on those that had seen a little bit more in life and, and experienced a few more things than I had and, and, gain their perspective and there's you know a lot of those folks that still maintain relationships with to this day yeah it's just it's following along those lines um it was, uh, 
maybe you could describe a little bit about, about that pivot. What 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 made you decide to take that jump, and and um, what were the what were the lessons you took away from that? Sure, sure. And uh, in, in case anyone didn't read the bio, I'll give you just twenty seconds of what what he's uh, referring to there. Um, so I, I started my career in a finance development program, was kind of on the uh, the route to a CFO or so I thought. You know, so 12, 15 years ago, I would have thought you know here today in twenty twenty three, I'd be in a uh, an executive finance position um, in my career, and then uh, things th- things turned. And uh, you know, for me, it was really. Uh, self-awareness and evaluation of being in a job that uh, my last functional finance job, I, I wasn't that engaged in. I wasn't passionate about it. I, I, and I, I looked at what I was doing every day and, and um, you know, the people I was, you know, who, who I was reporting into and, and, you know, sort of had the thought of like, well, I don't particularly want to do what I'm doing right now. I don't want my boss's job and I don't want her boss's job. So uh, what what path am I really on here? And and I did a lot of self-reflection. And uh, what I, for me, what it came down to was what I realized what I was passionate about was the people parts of business more so than doing the functional work. And and so that's that's what ultimately led me to pivot. And now, uh, you know, my, my running joke is I talk about finance all day. I just don't do it anymore. And so it's uh, for, for me uh, a better alignment with being able to leverage what I've done, you know, my education, my background, my connections are still in the finance world. And now I just leverage them in a very different way. And for me, it was all about how do I think about not to be fatalistic about it, but every, every day you're either working and getting a little bit closer to your ultimate goal, or you're getting a little bit further away from it. And I had realized I was probably on the wrong path and getting a little further away from what I believed my passion and calling was around. And so for me, um, I had to number one, realize that. And, and that was a, you know, a, a tough thing and, uh, you know, a big aha moment I had in my life and, and ultimately, uh, t- took a bit of a gamble and a risk. Um, but you know, it was through the support of the people in my life and mentors and family and others that helped me, you know, sort of have the confidence to go through that and have subsequently, you know, I think yielded a much better outcome because ultimately when you think about career and pathing and, you know, all these sort of grandiose ideas and there's a million different ways to, to, to go about it. And again, no, no right or wrong, but in a very simplistic way, um, find, find what you're passionate about and, and do the things that, you know, you're going to be, um, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but if you're more excited than not to get up in the morning and uh, go, go do what you're doing, then, you know, you, you've got a leg up on 80% of people out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wanted to follow up on that a little bit. Um, you know, what was your pivot then a difficult one and how did you make those connections, you know, and, and um, you know, make those decisions, get the right information to make those decisions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, um, I, I wouldn't say uh, there was any seminal moment necessarily, but more of a compilation of things. Um, and, you know, the, the, the way I... Um, gathered that I'm, I'm a very, uh, I'm an open book, you know, so I'll, I'll talk to pretty much anybody about pretty much anything. And, you know, so part of that is even being super vulnerable and, you know, asking questions that might be a little, little hard, a little uncomfortable to say like, Hey, I've, I've, I've thought about 
what I was doing and thought about what I'm considering next. And, and, you know, what, what do you, what's your take on that? And some people might say you're crazy and, and, you know, had, had one or two of those, right. So like, you know, walking away from a clearly defined path and, and, uh, you know, going into something a little bit more ambiguous is, is, is tough. Um, but I do think there's a lot to be said for, um, belief and just, flat out hard work and perseverance. You know, if you're, if you're going to um, do something with a, a ton of conviction and a ton of passion and you're willing to um, try a little harder than, than the next person and, and consistently apply those um, ideologies, then, then, then the results kind of come, you know, so it's, I think it's a combination of uh, there's a, there, there's an art to it and, you know, everybody has their own gifts and things that they're, they're more naturally inclined to, but you know, hard work and, and perseverance go a long way too. And so even being able to find that thing where you say, Hey, I, I know what I'm working towards and, uh, doing that in a genuine and authentic way to you, uh, I, I think ultimately resonates with people and, and they'll, uh, you know, they'll, they'll give you an opportunity when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, Lauren, I wanted to actually remind everyone, um, to ask questions in the chat. If you have any questions for any of our panelists, actually, I have a question for Lauren. Um, uh, and I think it's a, about what you described, what your husband did. Um, so about the cyber security, cyber security career and how her husband made connections to get into the field once he had his certifications. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, I met my husband at EY. We both worked there. Like I mentioned, he's a CPA as well, but he worked in the IT space. So he uh, was doing more like technology audits and I was doing the financial statement um, type of audits. So he was actually in that career for a while and um, he he kind of made connections that way. We're also, we also live in Milwaukee, which I'm going to say is a, a small city. And once you're kind of in a career path, I, I swear, I know so many people in the finance and accounting world now. So he, um, when he was kind of deciding to make the pivot from being more of that auditor to kind of getting into what he's doing now, he spent a lot of time on LinkedIn, actually, um, looking at job postings, reaching out to people who he thought had jobs that he was interested in, um, and then spent some time talking to uh, people who maybe c could potentially have those connections um, that he you know, felt comfortable sharing that he was like thinking about making the move. But um, it, it took him a, a year of doing that to kind of find the right place with, you know, kind of marrying his qualifications to what he wants to be doing. And then, you know, bridging the gap with some CPE and just some on the job mm -hmm. learning. Can, I want to ask one follow-up question, but in relationship to you, um, you have your CPA, correct? To me? Yes. Yes, yeah, Lauren. Yes, what, yes. What, what do you, what role has that played in um, your career in a way of thinking of your career going forward. I know there's a lot of discussion about, you know, CPA requirements and the number of people um, going to accounting and getting their CPA. Um, how, how do you think about your CPA certification and, and what role does it play in your career? Yeah, it's a great question because you know, now where I'm at, um, it's no, no longer required. I'm still doing, I'm taking a CPE class tonight. I'm going to keep it up um, because I think it's important. For me, I took my CPA 
after college, kind of in those first two years that I was working at EY, and it was brutal. I failed many times. I lost one of the exams because I let the 18 month span. It, it was hard work, but I don't regret doing it. Not for a minute because one, now when I can say that I'm a CPA, I do feel like it garners a level of respect from people. Um, the CFO I'm working with now constantly is like, let's get the CPA's opinion here because he he knows that it, it kind of gave me this level of knowledge now. That was six years ago that I finished it. So I, could, I couldn't I could pass it right now, probably, right? I'd have to go back and open up all those Becker books and study. But to me, it, it proved that I could kind of use that critical thinking and learn something new and use that kind of hard work ethic and get through it. And that's what I look at now. When I see a young professional who has their CPA, to me, it means that they stuck with something. They took free time to study and to learn something new, whether or not um, they're using it every day. I I think it's, I think it's still an important certification. um, But I I know that's a a difficult sell for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that's being talked about. And Richard, I want to bring it over to you too. I mean, um, what, what do you see about the market and and the I guess the young people you deal with and the CPA certification? What role does that play in in how you think about the people you work with? And what role, if I, for um, do you have your CPA? You know, have you kept it up? And and what role does that play? Uh, I never sat for the CPA, uh, and that was mostly to personal issues. Uh, we adopted a child with some disabilities by the time I was supposed to be taking classes, you know, to prepare for the exam while I was working full time. My wife had a very intensive job with 120 people reporting to her and there was just no way I could justify having her come home from work and she's got to deal with everything going on home. And meanwhile, I'm sitting at the hall you know, downtown taking classes from 6 to 10 p.m like three or four nights a week and, you know, tied up on Saturday. So I just had to give it up and go with what I got. Um, and it was, I guess, maybe early in my career, it was it was kind of an issue, but subsequent, like, not at all. Uh, I wanted to circle back to what some Matt was saying about that pivot, because it kind of resurrected from some memories that, for me, when I was uh, I was laid off, as a, when I was the CFO, you know, it was, like having the rug pulled out from my ear in the late 50s, you know, I thought I was set. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's recession, I'm on the street. It's like, okay, what am I gonna do? So I started networking just like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed up. I'd have five meetings a day, morning, for breakfast, mid-morning coffee, a lunch, another something mid-afternoon, and then some kind of program in the evening. I did that for about a year and a half. And then shortly into that, Alex became president of a Chicago chapter of FBI. So I was meeting all kinds of people, but mostly I was just, I was just talking up a storm, you know, just trying to, you know, I knew who I am, who the hell are you? <laughs> they just start the conversation. And uh, I, it was through that process of thing that Matt was talking about where you're, you're trying to test yourself and learning about yourself. It's like, okay, what, 
what do I need? What's going to work? And it was, you know, a lot at stake. You know, I need to provide for my family. So what can I do? And then basically seeing lots of, and we did, there were different kind of, you know, career management programs. The chapter had one, you know, we had up 80 or 90 people attending it every month at, at the worst of it. So I'm watching all these other players where they're just like trying like heck to get, you know, back in to a role. And unfortunately, ageism is a pretty real thing. You know, if you're in your late 50s trying to get a role as a senior finance executive, it's pretty tough. You need a really strong referral or some kind of insider, you know, because, you know, the preference, especially in the world of private equity, which is where I've been the last umpteen years, you know, late 40s, early 50s, that's about it. So it was moving into, you know, consulting work where I realized, like, gee, all of a sudden it's okay to have gray hair or lots of experience. And I didn't have to take it, you know, a huge cut to be able to, to do that. I felt like I was getting paid at the rate I it was commensurate with my experience and background. The, uh, it was a little scary at, at first. You know, I used to have my own parking spot and desk and benefits and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, it's, you know, I walk in, it's, you know, who the heck are you? What do you do for us? So it was like testing myself constantly. And the place where I'm at now, this is the 31st company I've been with, either as a contractor or an employee. So I've seen a lot, but mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I always learn something, but I find too that I, I bring a lot because all those experiences, I got a pretty big tool bag now, you know, a lot of you know, tricks and tools and things I've learned along the way. But it was that process of just talking with people and you know, sometimes when you, it was engaging, yeah, that's the word I think you used, uh, Matt. That engaging with other people, you learn things about yourself. Sometimes you articulate something you didn't know you knew it until you actually said it. And then walking away from each of those, you know, little meetings and you know, always learning, you know, something. So I'm sorry, I spoke too long, but I just no, I no, 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 yeah, no, it's really important. Yeah, and, and actually going on that, uh, you know, maybe I can turn it to Matt, um, you know, you know, what Richard described and, you know, things, you know, you, you have things happen in the economy or your personal life, you know, things are changing so rapidly, you know, the industry changes all, all the time. How does that impact your Cure path for the, the, the like for lack of a better phrase, the second half of your career. Like when you think about that, Matt, is how do you think about planning for this, or can you plan? Or as 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 someone very wise once said, uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. So, uh, Matt, how do you think about creating that path with all these uncertainties? Sure, sure. And I'm, I'm either the best or worst person to ask about that since I've uh, obviously been on a few different paths. But um, I, I think uh, for, for me, the, the, the starting point of that, um, that self-awareness is, is always a critical piece. So, you know, there was a question in the chat around um, how, how to, you know, think about taking a leap or making a change. And I think, you know, the same, the same uh, logic sort of applies around um, start with um, knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, knowing your passions, knowing your capabilities. Um, because even if you're thinking about making a change, uh, oftentimes 
we can group things together that may or may not be the same. And so what I mean by that is there's there's times when we might say, hey, I'm not happy in my job or I'm not happy on my current path. Um, but you, you need to unpack that a little bit. So is it is it the scope of the work? Is it the place you're working? Is it the culture of the organization? Is it the pay? Is it whatever? There's a, you know, a million contributing factors that could lead to this sense of unhappiness or I need to make a change or, you know, what, what might next and might the next thing look like for me. And so I think, you know, parsing some of that out and, and, you know, having um, those individual elements be recognized for what they are. And then what I would really encourage people to focus and really hone in on are what are those skills and what are those passions that you have and, and leverage that, you know, Lauren brought up a great point, you know, when talking about her husband of saying, it's, it's, it's a really interesting starting point to say, if someone is in a position that you find appealing for whatever reason, talk to them about that. Ask them how they got there. You know, look at their career path. Um, introduce yourself. Go to coffee with them. You know, everybody loves to be flattered. So if you tell somebody, hey, you're awesome. I want to be like you someday. Um, you know, that's, that's a that's a reasonable starting point for a conversation. <laughs> and so there's, there's so many of those things where we can start to um, do that. Uh, you know, sort of the breaking down of those individual components, because many people do, you know, what Lauren also described earlier of saying, hey, we, we all are kind of told come out of school, you're going to big four, you know, this, this is the path. And then at some point we realize there's a million different paths out there. And a, a lot of the skills that, that you guys are um, either gaining or honing right now, early in your career around finance and accounting, those are really valuable skills, regardless of what you wind up doing down the road. So I still use a lot of those same things that I learned in school um, and that I developed early on in my career, but I might use them differently. And so, you know, being able to, to acknowledge and, and uh, you know, really uh, focus in on what are those skills and then how can you leverage them and add the most value for you, for an organization. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's where the partnership gets really powerful. So I think, uh, we're almost done or we're just about done. I want to, uh, but I want to wrap it up on, on a, a note of some sort of like thought about the future and the path. And I don't want to go too far down the road because nobody knows what's going to happen, but maybe I could just ask each of you, start, start with Matt, what, what, do you have like one goal you want to achieve career wise over the next year? Uh, is it that shorter term or can you think of that in that term? Is there a new skill you want to take on? Um, so, but my, my job, you know, I think at its most base level is helping other people. And, mm -hmm. and so if, if I can help other people be successful, you know, there's short-term goals around that, around internally in my team, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're growing, we're doing a lot of things. And so my, and this is a little maybe altruistic or squishy, but I believe that I am successful by helping other people be successful. And so if I can, if I can achieve that in some way, then I, I genuinely believe that, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll benefit from that. And, and that for me is a lot of fun. How about you, Lauren? Is there something that you want to, a skill or something you want to achieve over the next year that you think will be relevant for Lois? Yeah, so I want to continue learning more about myself. Um, even though I was at EY for a long time, I very much just kind of was grinding it out and not paying attention to what I actually liked and what I wanted from my career. Uh, 
I started down that path about a year ago now, and I'm really looking at kind of the next year of my life to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a consultant here. So I'm working in different companies every few months. Um, and I'm taking something from each of them and I'm leaving something behind. So I'm trying to kind of decide what pieces of the puzzle do I like and how can I build the the next part of my career based on um, my strengths and what um, kind of matters to me. Great. Yeah, the, the really important. Richard, you have the last word. What's okay. your goal for the next year? I guess my goal is to keep doing what I'm doing. But along with that, it's kind of assessing, do I still have the the stamina and wherewithal to do what I've been doing. These are very intense environments, you know, turnarounds, uh, companies in trouble, you know, just, I, I, I get involved with companies where there's all kinds of issues with infrastructure. So there's nothing status quo. It's like, there's lots broken, what do we gotta do to fix it? So it's just, for me, kind of self-assessment, making sure that I, I still, bring the value that's needed for the company that I'm, I, I'm working in. Uh, and if not, do I need to, you know, step it down someday? Well, I'm not there yet. I'm still good. But it's <laughs> you know, in this top of mind. Uh, I still remember being the, the kid, you know, when I showed up. You know, it's 40 years later and I'm, I'm the old man. But uh, it's good. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, and I want to thank all of you for taking the time today. I think we learned a lot. 